message. Now, this series, this message has been on my heart for quite a long time. Uh, and, and, and I think it's because um, you may have noticed something in our culture as much as I have. We have a tendency to complain a lot. Uh, we had something called an election, you know, uh, this last week. And leading up to the election, um, I don't think I saw or even heard of one person who was running saying, you know what, my opponent is a good guy. Uh, she's a great gal. You know, we have some differences of opinion, but man, what, what a great, you know, person. And says, no, it was just how can I tear down? How can I destroy? How can I demonize, you know, the other person? And we see this all over the place, whether it be watching news, whether it be on social media, whether it be at our work environments, whether it be our family engagements, we see this on a regular basis. And, and so I thought it'd be good uh, to put together a series called A Change for good, uh, which means not only well, is this going to be a change for things that are good, but a change for good meaning permanence, that we want to make a change for good. See, the antidote to ungratefulness, to complaining, is thankfulness, gratitude, which will actually lead to a change for good. And I think this, if we're going to be honest, I think this series is going to have an effect on all of us. So with this in mind, here's what I want you to do. What is one thing you are thankful or grateful for? So whether you're watching this, you know, uh, on the screens, you know, or, or you're doing this right now, I want you to turn to your neighbor and answer that question. What's one thing that you're thankful or grateful for on this day? Go ahead and do that now. Okay, we want to hear a few of these. What are, what are a couple of these? Your parents. It's great. What else? The health. Food. <laughs> Try to always think over food. Some, what's that? Your hubby. God. Wife. God. Music. Yeah. You're saying Mike Leach, the mustache man. You know, I saw him and yesterday. That guy's a weird dude, but he is, he is awesome. You know, I'm thankful for when the Huskies beat the Cougars in just a couple weeks. Hey, um... One thing we're grateful and thankful for. What? Grateful. I'm grateful. I'm not, I'm, de I'm not demonizing anybody. Just thankful. What's, what's, I don't know what's wrong with you people. That's why we need this message. See, we all appreciate and we respond well to gratefulness. Uh, we really do. I, if you think about it, uh, what you're grateful for, what you show appreciation or thankful for, actually heads you more in that direction. Uh, whether you're receiving it or whether you're giving it. Uh, for example, parents, you, you do realize that only pointing out what's negative, wrong, or how your kids need to improve only gets you so far. In fact, all the sociologists have done the studies, and if you want long-lasting results, not just fear responses, you praise over the top when they do something that you think is worthy of praising and being thankful for, which then reinforces greater the, the level of behavior that you want to see from your kids. Thank you so much for taking the dishes to the sink. You are amazing servant of God. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for cleaning your room. Thanks for saying thank you. All these things, you know we're not wired to do that. You don't have to teach a kid not to say thank you. You don't have to teach a kid to be ungrateful. You don't have to teach a child to be complaining about anything. We're always constantly warring against that internal kind of bent or lean towards ungratefulness. Now, uh, think about coaching. If all I do is point out 
where someone needs to improve, let's say in basketball, over and over and over, it'll only deflate the kid over time. I have to say, at times, you did it right. Great job. So grateful that you did it the right way at the right time, and you see that behavior that gets reinforced. What about in your employment? If you have a boss that only points out the negative, that's only there just to criticize and tell you what you're not doing, how excited are you to wake up and go to work on a regular basis? Obviously, you need to be pointed out things to improve, but if we don't receive the gratitude and thankfulness, and yet here's the problem that I mentioned earlier. We tend toward ungratefulness or complaining. Have you ever been around someone who doesn't ever seem to have something positive to say, something to be thankful for? Uh, there's always something wrong. There's always something to complain about. There's always pointing out that the glass is once again half empty instead of half full. Uh, there's a character that was introduced years ago that uh, I believe kind of personifies this aspect in all of us, but especially there's some people who really tend towards this. So go ahead and watch the screen with me now. Just my luck. A heffalo. Leering at his lunch. You're not a heffalo. Doesn't matter anyway. Headed for the waterfall. I'll be gone soon. Oh no, not the waterfall. Swim! Not that anyone will notice. Swim, swim, swim! Just have to go with the flow. Don't worry. I'm not. Can't change the inevitable. Mustn't give up at all. I'll save you. We'll see. Oh, yes, of course. I've grown up, haven't I? <laughs> oh, you. I've been at my misfortune. Just like a heffalump. Hello, Eeyore. Hello, Heffalump. Not a Heffalump. I'm Christopher Robin. Do you remember? I used to try and cheer you up. I don't remember being cheery. <laughs> right? Uh, uh, we had a guy I worked with you know, one time that we actually would make it a bet and a game because we could not get him to be grateful, thankful, or positive about anything. Uh, and so we would ask him, we'd say, you know, hey, did you notice that the sun is shining today? And his first response was, well, it's going to rain tomorrow. And I'm like, that's true. You know, and so I'm like, dang it, I didn't win. You know, like, hey, we got you your favorite candy bar. Well, it probably cost you too much. I'm like, yeah, you know, like, come on, man, we, we, can, we can get there. Uh, you know, it's so easy to point out negativity, starting with ourselves. When you look in the mirror, you know, you don't look at the positive, you look at the negative, you look at the flaws, you look at something that's wrong, or even it's so easy to look at the negatives of other people or those around us. In first, second Thess Timothy chapter three, verses one and two, it says this, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. Well, how will we know if they will love only themselves and their money? Well, they will be boastful and proud. That's how we'll know. They'll be scoffing at God. They'll be disobedient to their parents. And what? Ungrateful. They'll be ungrateful. So here's the first self-reflection question before we jump into God's word. Uh, what would you say about yourself? Are you a more grateful person or do you tend to be more of an ungrateful person? If you don't know, you can ask those sitting around you and you can find the truth behind it. See, here's another way to think about it. Uh, do you ever notice, uh, if you're around negative, 
people, you actually can find yourself becoming more negative. If you're on positive, you find yourself becoming more grateful and positive. So one of the things that I had a youth pastor tell me one time or ask one time, he says, are you a thermometer or are you a thermostat when you walk into a room? And so he began to explain, a thermometer comes in the room and conforms to the room. Whatever the temperature of the room is, positive or negative, the person walks in and unknowingly just conforms to whatever is being said, talked about, or done. Where a thermostat sets the temperature. Thermostat comes in and says, irregardless or regardless of what takes place, you know, in this room, I am going to be positive. I'm going to make a difference. See, what or who we surround ourselves with determines the level of our negativity. Do you find yourself, after watching news for more than five minutes, that you find yourself more fearful, more complaining, more upset than beforehand? Anybody? Anybody besides me? Uh, here's one thing I want to encourage you. Stop. Stop watching the news. In fact, if you need your news, you do realize that there are news stations that focus primarily or only on the good. For example, there's the goodnewsnetwork.org. This is not a Christian network. In fact, I popped it up this morning just to see what was the number one headline. Number one headline, it actually says, Congress members from opposing parties are visiting each other's districts in order to better work together. Have you ever seen that on CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, or anywhere else? It's the number one news station to say, this is actually the good that's happening out there. And so maybe a way to help your mood, help your demeanor, help your gratefulness as you go through the day. Now, I found this to be true in my own life. There is a, uh, there's an app that's out there in neighborhoods. It's called the Nextdoor app. Anybody ever heard of the Nextdoor app? Okay, we have this in our neighborhood. At first, I thought it was the most wonderful thing. What a great way for neighbors to go on a site to be able to get to know neighbors and to be able to offer services and help to one another. It is the best complaining site I have ever seen in my life because everybody rants and raves about what's wrong with the neighborhood, about what's wrong with their neighbors because they're so passive aggressive, they won't talk to their neighbors, so they throw it in on social media. What's wrong with the HOA? What's wrong with everything else that's going on? What's wrong with politics? They put on everything that's wrong. And so I was following, I was following, I was following. All of a sudden, I leaned over to my wife. I said, honey, I'm starting to dislike my neighborhood. I don't like these people. They're a bunch of whiners and complainers. I can't take this. And then all of a sudden I realized, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stop. And it only took one week. In one week, I pulled into my neighborhood. And for the first time I went, ah, oh, I like my neighbors again. They're nice people. Look, they're waving at me and that kind of stuff. This is great. It's fascinating what happens when we focus on what is positive versus what is negative. And here's the key. When we don't focus on God, you do realize that we have a tendency to complain. We are not focused on him. You see, when I focus on Jesus, I can walk on water. See, Peter is facing storms of life. So are all the rest of the disciples. And Jesus says, walking on water. And even if you're not a Christian, you've heard the story about Jesus walking on water. And he tells Peter, who asks him, say, hey, Jesus, if this is really you, let me get out of the boat. So he gets out of the boat. There's wind, there's waves. Talk about reason to complain. Right? There's storms. We're going to drown. I'm going to die. That would be some good reasons to complain and to be ungrateful about some things. And yet, in the midst of all of it, his eyes are focused on Jesus, and he's literally walking on water until 
he takes his eyes off Jesus. And he notices all of the bad things that are going on, all the negative things, all the destructive things that are taking place around, and instantly he sinks. What a great picture for us as well. Now, I want to give you one of my greatest scriptures of this example of this in the entire Bible. You see, God has delivered his people, the nation of Israel, from the hands of slavery, over 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And he has done these incredible works, demonstrated his incredible power, and they have now left Egypt and are just a couple weeks based on travel to what he is going to give called the promised land. So they've left slavery, and they're in this in-between time, and they're now headed to the promised land. Okay, with that in mind, in Numbers chapter 11, this is what happens. Then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. So the complaining starts with those even who are not Israelites, and they begin to complain. How do I know they complained? Because you keep reading. And the people of Israel also began to complain. So it's funny how complaining leads to complaining, right? Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and all that we had, these cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlics we wanted, but now our appetites are gone. All we ever see is this manna. The free meat that you had, you forgot that you were in slavery for this free meat, right? So funny how quickly when we get past the situation of pain and suffering that we all of a sudden start complaining about what we don't have instead of being grateful again for what we do. And then they're like, all we can eat is this manna. Okay, now manna in the Hebrew literally means what is it? They don't know what it is. All they know is that they wake up every morning and there are these flakes that are frosted. First example of frosted flakes in scripture, by the way. <laughs> Pastor joke. Um, and they get to wake up, they take days worth, and then there's more the next day, more the next day, and then one day they're supposed to take two days worth, and they, they, they eat manna for breakfast, manna for lunch, manna for dinner. Now, before we get on them too much, have you ever eaten the same thing over and over and over and over? Where you're like, okay, I'm kind of sick of eating the exact same thing over and 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 over. So we can understand a little bit on maybe why that they would complain, but then it continues. Verse 10, Moses heard all of the family standing in the doorways of the tents whining. Now it's really spread. And the Lord became extremely angry. Moses was also very aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby who's crying all the time? That's what he's saying. How can I carry them to the land that you swore to their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all of these people? They keep whining to me, and they're saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. That's the best line, people. That is funny. I mean, think about how exasperated he is. How grinding of complaints over and over on your nerves go over and over. Parents, you know what this means. When you set a, a meal before your children and you're like, here you go, I've taken an hour to prepare this meal. And they're like, I don't like this. I like McDonald's better. And you're like, you will eat this. <laughs> and then some of you did the line my parents did. 
You know there are starving kids all over the world who don't have food like you do. I got old enough where I said, well, you can give them my food then. You know, but he wanted to die. He's like, leading these people. It wasn't the plagues. It wasn't the slavery. It wasn't all that kind of stuff. Where Moses finally lost his last nerve was the whining and complaining of all of these people. And he's like, Lord, if this is how it's going to be, just take me now. I just want out of this world. And yet, he says, do me a favor and spare me this, this, this misery. Yet, who's complaining now? Started with the foreigners, the Israelites. Now Moses is complaining. And then God shows up. Verse 18. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat. The Lord heard when you wailed. If only we had meat to eat, we were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat and you will eat it. You will not eat it for just one day or two days or five or 10 or 20 days, but for a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and you loathe it. <laughs> you got to read the Bible, people. This is in there. You know, and you're like, yes, God, get him. You know, this is just because he's tired of the complaints as well. You're going to eat so much that's coming out your nostrils because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and you have wailed before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? Huh, let me, let me remember, because we were in slavery. That's why we left Egypt, because we cried out to God and he delivered us. That's why we left Egypt. Verse 22, Moses even if we butchered all of our flocks and herds, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? The Lord said to Moses, has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. You see, the Israelites forgot who God is. And when we forget who God is, we begin to be ungrateful. In their history... They had been told, they had known about who God is. God continued to reveal himself from the moment he introduced himself to Abram, to the times with Isaac, to Jacob, to Esau, to all these people. God would introduce himself, and as they got to know who God is, they became more and more grateful for the God in which they served, but they had forgotten who God is. Romans 1.21 says this, yes, they knew God speaking of us now, but they wouldn't worship him as God or what? Give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like, and as a result, their minds became dark and confused. See, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalms 136. Psalms 136, we're going to look at three little verses there, verses one through three, because I want to show you who God is based on how God introduced himself to the nation of Israel and how that relates to us. Because unfortunately, our words and our name for God, especially in the Old Testament, is God. And yet the Hebrew, in which the Old Testament is written, has so much richer and so much greater explanation of who God is. Because when we understand the attributes of who God is, it allows us to have a different perspective in order to be grateful in this first week. Names are important. Today, how encouraging is it for you to hear that you're a great father or, or a wonderful mom or a hard-working person in fact names in the bible if you read it through it they would change names to reflect something that happened something that took place and so here's some examples of who god is if you want to know a thankful chapter read the entire psalms 136 but here's where it is and this will be 
just in your Bibles as you look at that. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Uh, give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Now here's what's fascinating. You read that and it seems like we're just saying the same thing over and over and over. And yet the Hebrews who read it and understand completely a different aspect of who God is that the nation Israel forgot when they were, in the, when they were headed to the promised land. Take a little closer look with me. Psalms 136 verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord. That word Lord is actually Yahweh, or in the English, Jehovah, for he is good. Now, Yahweh, God, literally means he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God cannot be improved. The, the name that he used in the Old Testament would be the name I am, that this is who I am, that I, I am who was, I am who is, I am who will be, and I will not change. So all of a sudden, that verse has a little different meaning, doesn't it? Give thanks to Yahweh, the guy who stays the same forever. Or verse 2, give thanks to the God of gods. It's a different Hebrew word. It's Elohim. The word Elohim is Father God or God the Creator. In Genesis 1.1, you might remember in the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. This name comes from displaying His power that the Israelites had understood his power has been displayed. He is Elohim. Or in verse 3, give thanks to the Lord of Lords. That word, Lord of Lords, is Adon in the Hebrew. Adonai would be the plural of that. And it literally means Lord. He is the ultimate leader. He is the boss. There is no God that is greater than he. Now, doesn't that have now deeper and richer meaning for who God is? is. Now, let me just name some other names of God. Now, we don't have time to go through all, but just a few others that we can be thankful for that the Israelites had forgotten about. And when we forget to focus and look and remember on who God is, we tend to complain. How about El Shaddai, God Almighty, who's the all-sufficient God. It's an expression that reflects on God's strength, his majesty, and his power. We first read about this in Genesis 17:1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. See, he's introducing himself that this is who I am. You can count on this. What about El Roy? El Roy is the God who sees me. Now, Hagar was a maidservant of Sarah. And they tried to fulfill God's promise of having kids through her. And then, you know, Sarah got jealous and banished her out. So Hagar is wandering by herself, a single parent, alone in the wilderness, and God comes to meet her. If you ever feel like you are alone, you are never alone. For Elroy, the God who sees, is always watching. What an encouragement for in chapter 17, verse 1, when Abram was, I'm sorry, Genesis 16, 13. Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. Or what about Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace? See, Shalom speaks of wholeness, harmony, completeness. It's not dependent on circumstances. True peace only comes from complete trust in the Lord in all areas of our lives. So we read about this in Judges, and Gideon built an altar to the Lord there, and he named it Yahweh Shalom, which means... The Lord is peace. In our New Testament, we would see it this way. In Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, 
But in everything, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, the shalom of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful picture of God. Or Yahweh Suri, which is God is my rock. That's who he is. He's described as the rock so much by the prophets and by the Psalms of the Old Testament. He's immovable, unshakable, a safe place to retreat, a fortress in times of trouble and battle that we can cling to when circumstances would want to discourage us around that we have a God who is our rock. Two more. El Alam, one of my favorites, the eternal God. This name teaches that God created time and yet he exists outside of time, before it and beyond it. Before the creation of the universe, there was God who had no beginning, and there will always be God who has no end. All things are done through him. This means that the character of God, his word, his kingdom, and all he stands for will never change and will never end. We have an unceasing, dependable, trustworthy, and consistent God, and he has eternity in view for all of us. Psalms 90 verse 2. Before the mountains were born, before you gave birth to the earth and the world, from the beginning to end, you are God. You are Eolam, the eternal God. And then there's Yeshua, which we would get the name Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Messiah. Matthew 16, 5 and 6, then he, then he asked them, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You do know that the name of Jesus is the fulfillment of all the other names that we read about God in the Old Testament. That he is the personification of all of those wrapped into one. In Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. See, the nation of Israel forgot that God saved them from the slavery of Egypt. And sometimes in the circumstances of life where we have a tendency to be ungrateful, we forget who God is. And we've taken our eyes off of Jesus and we begin to sink because we notice the wind and the waves, however big or small that they are in our lives. Yet when we focus our eyes and our hearts on Jesus, you and I can also walk on water. See, Jesus is creator. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God Almighty. Jesus is our source of peace. Jesus sees you, and Jesus is eternal, as well as our Savior, if we would just open up ourselves to him. So here's our next step. I'm going to ask you, as we go into these next few weeks, to take the November Thankful to God Challenge. The Thankful to God Challenge is every day, say or post one thing that you are thankful to God for. For those of you who want, you can also put hashtag VRL thanks to God. See, we can be grateful to God by verbally expressing thanks to him. One of those ways is by words. Others, we can write things down face-to-face, -face, notes, text, email, social media. But you do realize that we also do that through song. That we have a chance to express who God is and being thankful for who he is when we sing. In Psalms 100, 1 through 5, it says these powerful words, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him singing with joy, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Don't miss this. Enter his gates 
with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And this is where we got the title, for the Lord is good. A change for good takes place when we focus on the goodness of who God is. Where is your focus today? And can you be grateful for who he is? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Lord, that today is a day of salvation, that there may be people in this room who've never received you or experienced you as Savior. Lord, that today might be that day. Father, for the rest of us, I pray that even right now, we would not just be thankful for things in our lives or people, but we'd be thankful to you for who you are. Lord, thank you for your beautiful and incredible name. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.